five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was made He was made through him. The word did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him, he cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, Who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of the fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and his closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Thank you, Lord. Uh, today, I wanted to do something different for Christmas. Excuse me as I tuck my shirt in. I just felt like Christmas morning, Sunday, Christmas Sunday, let's, uh, let's do something different, and I was led to architecture. Uh, so let's go back hundreds of years ago. Hundreds of years ago. Uh, if you wanted to build a really big building, essentially you would have to have really big columns and thick walls. Okay, The, the trade-off was the taller the building, the heavier the load, the thicker the walls. Right? Buildings are pretty heavy. Okay. Um, but what happened, starting in the 1100s in France, advancements in technology started to come about, new engineering, a new architecture uh, emerged. It's called Gothic style. Gothic style. Now, 
Sometimes we hear the word Gothic and we think dark, we think gloomy. But the original idea behind Gothic was to bring light to people. Let's bring light to people. How can we build buildings with lots of light? And so some of the uh, architecture that, that came about, uh, it, it, we, we have vaulted ceilings now. And these things called flying buttresses, pointed arches, a very foundational uh, part of, of Gothic architecture. You see pointed ar- uh, arches, they relieve some of the, str- uh, the thrust and stress on the structural elements there. Long story short, this technology allows for skinnier walls where you can put in stained glass windows. Gothic architecture, it produced magnificent towering stone cathedrals with lots of light. Let me not just talk about it. Let's see some pictures. I'll just scroll through here. A little slideshow on Christmas morning. You can get get some of the, the feel. Massive buildings. Has anybody gone to Europe and been inside one of these? Anybody? No? Let's go inside. You can see the, the, the high ceilings, lots of lots of stained glass. It goes up and up and up. Really big spaces. That one. Gothic style, yes, lots of stained glass, lots of, lots of art, lots of symbolism that is, that is utilized. Okay, now if you want a local feel, you can check out Church of the Redeemers building in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. I know Bill Kelly uh, knows this, this place, he took me there, uh, Church of the Redeemer, their building is a Gothic revival built in 1881. Uh, A lot smaller, but you actually get the the feel. You can see some of the same architecture of what Gothic is trying to accomplish here. Now, um, it was medieval European theology that helped bring about and influence this type of thinking. Okay, the, the, the Gothic vision, the, the view was, okay, God is up there somewhere. God is high. Heaven is up. Eternity, to infinity and beyond, okay? Um, how, how do we capture that in a building? English poet Samuel Taylor Coleridge, uh, he called the Gothic style infinity made imaginable. These cathedral builders, they wanted to build spaces that reflect and embody this notion that God is big, that God is light, that God is far and just high above this world. Let's build a building that that captures this mystery. And perhaps this is why 1800s English theologian John Kevill uh, he called Gothic architecture a style of architecture, which to me at least is in comparison with all others, the most beautiful of all, and by far the most in harmony with the mystery of religion. 
And since we're sharing quotes, one more from Dr. Paul Santmeyer. He says, these cathedrals were designed, indeed, to be a world apart, a world that luminescently, harmoniously, powerfully proclaims the mystery of divine truth insofar as that truth can be grasped by, by us, sinful mortals. The thinking behind all of this, really, is you have to view reality like a ladder. God is at the top. You have the spiritual realm, angels, humans, plants, animals, all of that, all the way down to minerals, all the way down to the smallest particles. But God is at the top. A, a driving assumption here, again, God is high, God is above all things. And for us, for us souls down here on this planet, the, the more that you can ascend, the closer you get to God. If you can climb this ladder. The ascent to the heavens is what the spiritual life is all about. It's a, it's a leave the world behind type of mentality. So these cathedrals, they were sermons made out of stone and, and stained glass. They, they preached a message about a God who's supreme, transcendent, sovereign, the Father Almighty, the, the maker of all things visible and invisible. You walk into these Gothic cathedrals, and it can just be hauntingly moving. It's a, it's a shock and awe type of architecture. And, and the more you engage in this space, the more you can disassociate with the rest of the world. What does this have to do with Christmas? Well, thank you for your patience. We're, we're getting there. <laughs> but I just want to reiterate the theological metaphor behind this Gothic view is getting to God involves going up. And we still actually utilize some of this thinking today because we have mountaintop experiences, right? The, the, the good times with God. How do we describe it? It's a mountaintop experience. Gothic vision, it curates a one-way view. To be faithful is to transcend, and if up there what counts, then down here doesn't below uh, doesn't uh, doesn't matter uh, that much but then comes Martin Luther and others in the 1500s every generation gets an opportunity to uh, take a look at theology and ask new questions and wrestle with perhaps some new points or some old points recycled upcycled back into the theological discourse Martin Luther is one of them in the 1500s and he has some issues with this metaphorical uphill spiritual journey. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. God is not just a mountaintop experience type of God. God is not just a God at the top of the ladder, but he's God of the whole ladder. He's not mysteriously far removed from what's below. For Martin Luther, he understood God to be present within his creation. God is here. In one sermon, pushing against the view that God is far away, Martin Luther said in a, yeah, in a sermon, he's, he said, God is wholly present in all creation, in every corner, behind you, before you. Do you think God is sleeping on a pillow in heaven? Martin's thinking isn't new, it's just a recovery of Emmanuel, that God is with us. God is alive, God is active, God meets us 
where we're at, specifically in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You see, Christmas broadcasts a message that God is down here on our level. The Creator is here. The one who creates and sustains and redeems is here. Now jumping into some Bible this morning, let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. John is a disciple of Jesus, a pillar of the early church, a gospel account writer, what we'll take a look at today. He's also a letter writer, an apocalypse writer. This is how John begins his prologue to his gospel account. He's he's, uh, working with some Greek philosophy here. He says, in the beginning, that echoes Genesis, doesn't it? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What is John broadcasting here? Hey, you cannot escape Jesus. He is the creator, the author, and the main story of or the, the, the main character of this, this story. Now, when I said that, that John is, is uh, working with some Greek philosophy, John specifically uses the word logos. In this translation, they translate it as, as word. Logos, L-O-G-O-S. Um, it's, a, it's a hard thing to translate, it really is. Um, I've heard before that the English word, word, isn't really the best word to use to translate logos. Uh, divine self-expression, wisdom, it's, it's the reason in the universe, okay? Jesus is the personal, powerful, and dynamic voice that creates and brings light and life, okay? Jesus is the voice Behind the universe that brings life and light. Let's jump to verse 14. The Logos became flesh. Wisdom became human. Reason. The voice in and behind the universe became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. The voice behind the universe has been revealed through Jesus. Jesus is the voice of God with flesh on. And what does he look like? He is glorious. He's fully human. And he's full of grace and truth. A really big Jesus was born in Bethlehem on Christmas Day. No, I'm not talking about his birth weight, okay? No, this is the cosmic Christ. A really big Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The Alpha and the Omega, the Creator and the Redeemer, the Savior of the world was born. The Gothic cathedrals, they were trying to embody this magnitude of of God. Yet Christmas teaches us, hey, God is one of us. God became a human. Christmas teaches us that 
God is not far away. He's not only available for these fresh, vivid, clear mountaintop experiences. Nor does the Bible teach us that God, you know, just created and wound up the universe like a clock, and now it's just sort of ticking on by. God isn't asleep. He's not just waiting to wrap up things someday in the the future. Christmas teaches us a God who is here on our level, visibly present. And, and this is the good news, we don't have to get to God. God comes to us. And now through the Holy Spirit, Jesus can be born into our hearts. Jesus is born into the hearts of all who believe. And it's through this Jesus, it's through Jesus we hear the voice of the Father. It's through Jesus, the Logos, the Word of God, the voice who speaks creatively and redemptively, the voice that calls for us by name, the voice that speaks to our hearts. It's Jesus. 1 John 1, 12. If you receive and believe in his name, if you believe in his name, his identity, if you know who Jesus is, the Son of God, the voice that is behind the universe who became a human, if you believe in his name, Jesus gives you the right to become a child of God. Jesus is revealed to us, and through him we can find ourselves in a brand new relationship in the family of God. A very real, right here on the ground type of family. The church, this family, this visible expression of Jesus in community form. Now, we don't know uh, the actual day when, when Jesus was born. Uh, we, we don't, but in our tradition... We make space for that today. We celebrate it today. So with joy and reverence, we remember and honor the birth of Jesus. And you know, we behold this mystery of, of God becoming human. The fancy term for this is incarnation. Christmas teaches us about incarnation. That God has skin in the game. Christmas reveals the heart of God. That In love, God showed up on our level. That God pursues you. God pursues you. And so whether we're in in the cathedrals or the catacombs, whether we're in the mountaintops or we're in the valley, Christmas is the great big news that wherever we are, God comes to us. The gospel is an invite. Christmas teaches us that God is here. God is here. Now these Gothic cathedrals, again, perhaps they're trying to embody, okay, this God on earth type of mystery. Like like we're trying to embody God on earth through architecture. But you know, God was here as a human. 
and as fellow humans, as followers of Jesus, the big application question is this. What if we try to embody God, God on earth just through our lives? This past week, I got hit with the Christmas bug. Jess and I, we went down. <laughs> uh, Tuesday night, I was, I was sick. I was shivering. 7.30, I was due for medicine. I just knocked that medicine back, went straight to bed. I was shivering with a high fever, crushing, punishing headache. It was just terrible. And, and I, I was under the blankets, curled, curled up, and, and Jess was just there. And I don't know if she like put her body on me or just her hands, but it was just like Jess was just present and was just there. You know, just, wow, this is actually Jesus just being there for me. God doesn't give up on us. He is with us. You know, and in this this past week, you know, this is what it's like for, for God to, to show up in our lives. It's, it's through our lives as, as we live for others. As like there is nothing, you know, Jess could really do for me other than just to like put her hands on my sick, shivering body. But it's just that physical touch that like, hey, I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm rooting for you. I'm here. I'm here. This is what incarnation means. Jesus says, I'm here. I'm here. And so maybe some of you are called to build cathedrals. And you know what? If that's you, that's really cool. Maybe you're called to build a cathedral that points people to God. But I'm going to guess most of us do not have that calling. For everyday disciples like you and I, what do we have? We have our bodies, our brains, our voices our hands, our resources. With our lives, we can point people to Jesus. Jesus was laid in a manger. What's a manger? That, that's the feeding trough. A feeding trough for hungry animals. Now Jesus comes to people with hungry hearts. As we try to reflect Christmas and incarnation, We can point people to Jesus. You are a living cathedral. You contain both the highs and the lows of humanity. You contain both God's creative and redemptive spirit. And so I want to encourage you on this Christmas morning. Try to be like Jesus. To be an everyday human. Full of grace and truth. Try to be that living cathedral that points to the divine mystery that God is with you, that God is in you. He's before you, around you, that God is with us. God is Emmanuel. Let's close in prayer.